thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations, that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. I want to get right into the Word this morning, and let's go to Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 there, and then I'm going to jump over to Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to read verse 37 through 40 there, and uh, I'm not going to stop to break the, the two verses up uh, by letting you know that. You can, you can see it in the screens when I read um, as this is written in the Gospels. For a lot of our new converts or those that maybe don't understand the Bible, the New Testament is starts off with the life of Jesus and those that were testifying about what happened when they were around him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark wasn't around Jesus and wasn't a disciple of Jesus. Mark was a disciple of Peter, and he wrote what Peter preached about. So it really should have been called the gospel according to St. Peter that Mark wrote. That's really what it should have been called. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, it's, it's the... Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptics, or the same Gospels, and then John, is they consider it its own book, and they're the testimony of Jesus, the life of Christ, and that's how that, that's written. And so I, I kind of want to take uh, Peter's view and Luke's view, the great the, the Dr. Luke, the physician, so you can hear them work together and hand in hand as, a te- as they testify of Jesus. The Bible said two of Jesus' disciples brought a cult to him and threw their cloaks over it. And he sat on it, and many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread palm branches that they had cut in the fields. The whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God, everyone say, in loud voices. voices. I have to say that because people come to church and they get quiet and they think they're more religious, but really you're not. Uh, (laughs) A disciple of Jesus, they lift their voices up and begin to praise the Lord. Amen. So they begin to sing a song, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees, Pharisees were religious leaders of the day, and the crowd began to say Jesus. Now look how powerful religion is. Now this, those that had a relationship with the Lord, they didn't care, they were going to shout. But those that were just over-religious said this, teacher, please rebuke your disciples and tell them to shut up. We used to tell Olivia, we don't say shut up. And so here's what Jesus says. I tell you that if they keep quiet, the stones or the rocks will cry out. This morning on Palm Sunday, I'm going to preach the first installment of a series that I'll be preaching this entire month entitled Jesus Is. But today I want to talk to you a message entitled Jesus Is To Be Praised. Can we all say that together? Jesus is to be praised. One more time. Say Jesus is to be praised. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your precious love toward us. And I pray, God, by the time that this message ends today, that you would reach the unreachable and that you would love the unlovable and that hope would arise in the heart of people. I know today, God, there's marriages here that are on the brink of divorce. I know today, God, there's people here that are on the brink of suicide and they think that if if you don't respond to them today, God, they're going to lose all hope. And Lord, I pray today, God, for every person that is at a dead end in their life, that you would find them right where they are, that you would reach them right where they are, God. There's so many people who are hurting, broken, and 
searching here in the building, watching online, listening to the podcast around the world. God, I pray today, God, that you would get a hold of their heart and that you would minister life to them. Encourage everyone who's discouraged. Let faith get up, God, where there's faithlessness. Let us hope again as a community. Let us dream again. Let us see beyond our sight the miraculous movement of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would communicate your love in this room today and that only you would be seen and glorified in this room because this platform is to one, but we pray that these people are for you. One King, one God, one Lord. And we thank you for it today in the precious name of Jesus and the people of God said amen. Before you're seated, do me a favor. Let's take two minutes. Let's love on somebody today and welcome them to the house of God. Walk around, love on somebody, shake their hand, turn around, do something. Online campus, I believe God's got something so powerful for you today. I believe that God's got something for you that's going to be precious, that God is going to use in a powerful way. Hit that share button and let's believe God to do some great things this morning in Jesus' name. hands together one more time and give the Lord some praise in the room. My goodness, y'all look so great today. I'm so thankful. Today marks the beginning of one of the most incredible weeks in the life of the Christian. Today marks the day one of what we call around here from the Bible and throughout Christian history, Holy Week. And Holy Week is made up of three major events. You have Palm Sunday, then you have Good Friday, and then you have Resurrection Day, which we all call Easter, but it's really not Easter, it's Resurrection Day, right? Palm Sunday deals with the approach that Jesus Christ had to the cross. His approach was one of being willing, that Jesus was literally willing to lay down his life and die as a ransom for you and I. Good Friday, Christ, it deals with Christ's death upon the cross. Um, and Resurrection Sunday deals with Christ defeating death from the cross. But it's our greatest treasure during this time to remember how powerful it was that Jesus laid down his life for you and I. We didn't deserve it. We were all messed up. We were born into sin. Come on in here. Let's be real for a minute. We all know We all know how it is to sin a whole lot easier than it is to not sin, right? We all have a testimony. Most of us got our PhD in sinology. We are good at pleasing ourselves and sinning. Come on. You was good at smoking it up, drinking it up, sexing it up. Come on. We were good at all that, but God took all that sin and all that trash and all that murk and all that mire and gave himself on Golgotha as a ransom for many to pay the price of our iniquity. See, you owed an eternal debt you could not pay. You could not pay your way out of hell. You could not pay your way into a redemption. There was only one that could do it and his name is Jesus Christ. Come on. He was 
he was spit upon and he was smitten and rejected by men and rejected by the father as he hung upon a cross and paid a penalty of a prisoner but God saw fit in his goodness to cleanse us from sin to cleanse us from the filth to make us clean to make us holy so we could remember and come up in here on a Palm Sunday and sing what those disciples sang as well Hosanna Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord I believe with all my heart that there's a people over here in Independence Missouri on 2911 Blue Ridge Boulevard that know they're not perfect that know they ain't got it all together but they're thankful that Jesus cleaned them they're thankful that Jesus found them they're thankful that Jesus rescued them and so they got a reason to praise somebody say Jesus is to be praised look at your neighbor say he's about to give you a reason to praise God for Come on, I'm not even trying to preach right now, but I feel, I, listen, I feel the presence of God in this room so strong on this Palm Sunday. How many believe God is good? Okay, I'm going to take you back to the 90s. When I was growing up, my pastor, Jim Hart, would get up on the pulpit and he would say, God is good. And all the time. Aren't you thankful that he still is good today, that he was in the 90s? Aren't you glad he's still good like he was in the 80s and the 70s? Come on, greatest generation, the, the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. I'm glad he is never changing. You say, Pastor, why you praise God so loud and proud and excited? Because I know God set me free. I know God delivered me. I remember July 20th, 1995, I was bankrupt in my emotions. I was suicidal and depressed. I was bound by sexual addiction. Alcoholism was running through my body. But God saw fit on that sunny afternoon when I walked into that apartment in Omaha, Nebraska on 108th and Blondo. He met me there. There wasn't a preacher. There wasn't a Ben Tiger man on the piano, but Jesus was there. And I had an encounter with God and he changed my life and he transformed my heart. I can't help but praise him. He's been too good to me that I cannot tell it all. And when I think of the goodness of God and all that he's done for me, my soul all cries hallelujah you know why because he picked me up and he turned me around and he placed my feet on a solid ground he pulled me out of the murk he pulled me out of the filth he pulled me out of the sin and put me on the right path I can't help but praise him Jesus is to be praised Jesus is to be praised come on palm sunday jesus is to be praised slap your neighbor high five and say you sound like the church this morning somebody told me this week you sound like a southern baptist preacher you go to jerking and do it. You sound, I said, I am a Southern. I'm a Baptocostal preacher. Oh, yeah. Not a Missouri Baptist. I'm talking about Southern Mississippi Baptist. Come on, somebody. Jesus. There was rumor heard throughout the land that he healed the sick and that he raised the dead. I, I heard a rumor is what they said. I heard a rumor that there's a man that can open up the eyes of the blind. I heard a rumor they saw it on Fox News 
where the reporter was reporting from a camel that Jesus walked on the water. I heard a rumor that there was a man who came from Cana of Galilee who was raised in Nazareth but was from Bethlehem. And, and they heard rumors that he spoke to a man who had a withered hand and the man's hand stretched out. There was rumored of Jesus that he healed blind Bartimaeus. It was a rumor that Jesus healed a woman who had an issue of blood. It was rumored that he walked up to a widow woman of name. I feel like preaching up in here this morning. He walked up into a widow woman of name who son laid in a casket and he reached up and touched the coffin and breath came back in his body it was rumored that he stood up out front of the tomb of Lazarus and commanded Lazarus to come forth it was rumored he sat down 5,000 people took five loaves and two fishes and supernaturally miraculously fed all the people that were listening to him preach I heard a rumor about a guy named Jesus come on somebody who could walk on water who could calm the raging sea who could heal the sick who could who could cast the devil out who could set the attic free it was rumored of Jesus look at your neighbors say you better hold on but don't hold on too tight Jesus tells his disciples go untie me a colt they untie a colt and they bring it to Jesus Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, a colt is a young donkey. It represents a young generation that Jesus is in need of. Come on now. We have to be humble enough, boomers and Gen Xers and greatest, to know that God's about to ride his anointing upon a young generation. What? God is in need of a young generation. Come on. God is in need of a 13-year-old boy to go up to his school and bring revival. God is in need of a 16-year-old girl to go up to her high school and bring a revival. Honey, he don't want you just to get loosed. He wants you to be tied to Jesus. Two disciples go and get that colt and bring it to the Lord. What's he, what do they do? The Bible said Jesus gets on that colt and he starts riding into Jerusalem. And those that were around, the disciples of Jesus, they started singing in a loud voice. And they begin to wave palm branches. And they were singing Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We used to sing it this way. Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They started singing that song and they began to lay down the palm branches as Jesus was riding behind the palm branches. So Jesus could step on the donkey with the, with the donkey. He was riding the donkey and they began to walk on the palm branches. This is very important and very symbolic in scripture because palm branches represent victory. They represent overcoming attitude. They represent breakthrough. If you've ever been to a tropical place, that looks like heaven. But if you've ever been to a tropical place, you, you, you've seen palm trees before and when a hurricane comes in a town where there's palm trees the news have showed us that those palm trees lay flat on the ground but once that storm passes by those palm trees stand right back up as they begin to lay down palm trees what they were literally saying is Lord through every storm you let us stand right back up through every 
through every trial, you let us stand right back up. Through all the hell we went through, you allowed heaven to invade it. Come on in here. So you deserve my praise. You deserve my jubilation. And with a loud voice, the Bible said, they begin to praise God. They begin to give God victory. They begin to give God the blessing of praise. Jesus is to be praised. When you praise God, you're saying, God, I remember what it was like to be busted, broke down, and disgusted. I remember when everybody walked out on me. I remember when all hell was breaking loose, but you still made a way out of no way. Jesus is to be praised. Come on, praise him, somebody in this room. Praise him. Put your hands together. Lift up your voice if you remember what God has done for you. Jesus is to be praised. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, why are you so quiet? Well, the next thing they did, Brother Dabney, is they took off their jackets and their cloaks. I'm leaking, I'm sorry. And they laid them on the ground. And the horse, the donkey that Jesus was on, started, sorry, Lord, started. Pastor, why would you do that? That's a nice jacket. Because it don't mean nothing to me. It represents our pride. See, a proud one can't praise him. You may got the nice threads. You might look good. You might got the nice smells. You might smell good, honey. You might got your hair did, your nails did, and your clothing on. But if you can't sweat that hair, if you can't praise him until tears stream down your face when you think of the goodness of God, you got too much pride in your heart. We got to lay down our pride and praise the king of glory. Jesus is to be praised. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. When they started throwing their cloaks down, Brother Elder, it was to say to everybody who was watching, I'm surrendering to this king. It was a part of a kingdom culture. Come on, Jesus didn't preach about a cross. He preached about a kingdom. He said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Peter said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. It was kingdom culture in that day to lay your cloaks down as a king came through the city. It was to say, you are my master. You are my Lord. Everything I am, I lay before you. Somewhere in American church, in American theology, we have missed the mark. We think repeating a preacher gets you into heaven, honey. No, repentance gets you into heaven. Repentance is not confession. Repentance is action. Repentance means to churn and follow. We got a lot of fans in church, but not a lot of followers. Fans carry big Bibles, but they don't let the big Bible carry them. Oh. Fans dust the Bible off on Sunday morning to bring it to church, and there's dust in their heart because they ain't getting in the thing. Come on. A fan wears the Christian bumper sticker and the Christian t-shirt and the Christian baseball cap, and, and they out silly cliches on social media. Everything happens for a reason, praise God, that aren't even biblical. And so we, we, we come as Christian fans, but we have yet to follow the Messiah. We have to lay down. Jesus said it this way. If you truly 
want to follow me? That church, we're so churched in America. He ain't trying to church you. He's trying to change you. I want to go to a good church so I can feel good. That's the problem. We built a humanistic gospel that's all about self-helps instead of life transformation. Help me, Holy Ghost. He said, if you truly want to follow me. See, that's the problem. A lot of people don't want to follow. We live in a democratic country where our opinions and our rights and our votes matter. Honey, this ain't about, this ain't about a democracy. The kingdom of God is not about being for the people and by the people. There is but one that we follow. There is but one name that we follow. We lose our votes when we surrender to Jesus. We lose our opinions of the word when we surrender to Jesus. Come on, we follow. We, we follow we abandon and we follow we abandon and we follow we abandon and we follow we turn from our way we turn from family culture come on we turn from what we've been taught instead of what's revelation and we turn over to jesus i feel like listen i feel like it's camp meeting around here it's a revival we might as well just have a revival they might as well come from the north the south the east and west and truly get saved He said, you should at once completely reject and disown your life. He's more than a goosebump. He's more than a good feeling on Sunday morning. We have to reject and disown our life and follow Jesus. He said, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. Do you know then by default you're following the devil? There's no in-between. You're either following King Jesus or you're following the devil. No, I'm not. You're being deceived then. You don't realize it, but by default, there's no in-between. There's no middle way. It's either you're following God or you're not. And if you're not, by default, you're following the enemy. Well, pastor, I want to have a little pornography, a little fornication, a, a little a little dabble do you with wine until I'm intoxicated. You need to get saved. You need to repent. You need to follow Jesus. You need to turn from you and follow him. You ain't saying nothing here. It's okay. He said, what good is it for you to lose your life unless it is to find him? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? This is the problem. I was listening to the director of TikTok the other day, the Tiki Talkie, who said he would not even let his own 13-year-old kid have a TikTok account because the way the world system is indoctrinating our children... Our kids spend 50, 60 hours in front of screens every single week being indoctrinated by culture, but show up to church one hour a week. And it's, listen, I don't know, I don't know how parents, come on somebody in here, we got to put our hope and trust in Jesus and clean the house. If you want Jesus, which I believe everybody here does because you wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't want Jesus, come on. But if you want Jesus to pick you up, it requires that you lay self down. Come on. I don't give, I don't give any concern or care for a Hindu shrine. Come on in here. For a Muslim's bowed knee seven times a day toward Mecca. Or a Pentecostal taught tongue and learned jig. If it's not following Jesus. Could it be we worship, worship? That's my jam today. 
No, Jesus is your jam. I know, I hear you, I see you, because American culture has taught you the other way. Like this is a movie theater trying to make people comfortable. Jesus comes to make those uncomfortable comforted and make the religious comfortable uncomfortable. Ah! Are we fans or are we followers? Come on in here. I don't want to be a fan. I don't want to be a fan. You know, fans tailgate. Fans get rowdy. I've been to the stadium where the decibel record broke. I was there in that game. They're shouting about nothing. Well, yes, we are shouting about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes never saved your soul. You're shouting about nothing. You're shouting about an entertaining game. I think in the American church we have fallen into the slavery of idolatry and don't even know it where we show up on Sunday morning as a fan of Jesus and we shout at the entertainment. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching on today. Oh, yes, he is. The disciples in. Jeremy, they lifted up their voices. And I like, I'm thankful that Mark said in a loud voice, they begin to praise. Or Luke, rather, in a loud voice. But then the religious leaders begin to tell them, please tell your loud praisers to shut their mouths. Bartimaeus was blind on the road to Jericho. And the Bible said he began to shout out, Son of David, Son of David. He couldn't see him. He was, in, he was in blindness and darkness. And he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said that those around Jesus went to him and said, be quiet. Bartimaeus started shouting all the more. Here's what people who really want the Lord do. Here's what people who are really sold out to do. You may call us radical. You may call us holy rollers. But when you start realizing what we're rolling about, you might jump on with us and roll too. God is looking for people. People in this generation that realize what Jesus said the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent taken by force. Jesus is two. Okay, three of you. Jesus is two. Look at your neighbor, say, Hey, neighbor, if God's ever done anything for you, you ought to give him just a standing shout of ovation for two minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you should be dead, but God. That cancer should have killed you, but God. It should have been an end for you, but God. That suicide attempt should have worked, but God. Jesus is to be praised. Jesus looks at these silly church cats, and he said... If my disciples don't praise me, the rocks are going to cry out. Now, I got my master's degree in theology, but I'm not the brightest one in the bucket. I don't have the right pedigree. My, my, my master's degree is in theology, not English. As a matter of fact, they told me that I should be in special education all through high school, and that's what they put me in. 
I failed English class. I failed speech class. I failed general math my senior year in high school. They told me I, I had a learning disorder. Then I realized I was just smarter than them and learned things differently. That's what it was, Brie. And so they told me you should never go into public speaking and, or anything including English. So I became a preacher and I wrote four books. My fifth one I just finished. You don't know me. Tweet that, homeboy. I'm not a science major, nor do I understand biology. Are the study of rocks. But one thing I know about rocks, Brother Carr, you have to fix my theology after church. They don't have hands to clap. I've been to some dead churches that had rocks in the building. I never saw one of those rocks start singing praises unto God. But you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. You got to read the Bible and then read it again. I've never seen no rock grow out a big toe and some feet and some legs and start giving God a Holy Ghost praise. Never seen it. Never been recorded. Well, pastor, what is God saying then when he put this into, into the Bible? He was saying as impossible as it is for these rocks to get a voice and say something, so it is as impossible for my disciples to sit there and not praise. I doubt your followership based off your lack of praise. If you don't praise him, do you really follow? Because followers praise and fans whisper. God is looking for some followers in this last day movement that he's about to release across the world that's going to be filled with palm branches waving this way, palm branches waving that way, and ushering in the final return of our Lord. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ somebody shout Jesus is to be praised well, well preacher preacher wait a minute wait a minute I don't necessarily believe all that my level of praise communicates my level of love my level of praise communicates my level yesterday at my house Samantha I made a pot roast and it was delicious let him use you. I did. I let him use me. It was so good. Mm, it tasted so good. My wife walked out of the room. She had on her jammies. I looked at her and I said, baby. She said, what? I said, you are fine. I heard Barry Manilow playing back here. Little Barry White, little Barry White kicked in. How's that, baby? I heard Lionel Richie deep in my spirit. All night long, all night, all night, all night long, all night, all night, all night long, all night. We're going to dance in the street all night long. She's like, really? You think so? I'm like, baby, you are fine. And mine. Praise the Lord. Miss Bree, I said, I got something to praise the Lord for. If everything else falls apart, I got me a wife. 
She left the house. She came back. She walked in from the garage, and I just was staring at her. She's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, girl, you are fine. F-I-N-E, fine. I am? Yes. Then she says to me, what makes me that way? I said, I'm about to leave you go to your room. I'm about to bust out some Song of Solomon, okay, up in here. Later on that night, I said, baby, I'm so in love with you. I'm so thankful that you're mine. She's like, why are you thankful that, you're, that I'm yours? I said, because you're a precious woman. You're a woman of integrity and character. Because you're a sweetheart. Because that smile lights up the entire room. I love you because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise the Lord. And you know what's so crazy? The more I started doing it yesterday, the more I wanted to. And the more I wanted to, the more I, that's what praise is. You start realizing what you got. See, a lot of y'all's marriages would be better if you just realized what you got. If you started empowering it, if you started speaking life to it, if you... And that's what happens when we get religious. We stop being grateful to God. We stop being honoring of his name. We stop praising. We stop saying, God, I remember when you saved me. I just want you to tell you bad, God. You bad all by yourself. You may have walked on water then, but I'm thankful you walked into my heart today. Hey, I'm so thankful for the times you brought me through when they lied on me, when they cheated me, when they treated me like a dirty dog. You've never left me. You... My level of praise communicates my level of love. Slap your neighbor, high five, and say yes. So, so pastor, 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 what then should we, what does praise look like? My demonstration of praise should match his definition of praise. If we don't praise like the Bible tells us to praise, we ain't praising the right way. We should praise in such a way that makes us good hosts of the Lord. You come to my house, you're going to eat good. You're going to, you're going to drink unalcoholic. Not, you say drink good, you think I mean, I mean non I'm a Christian. You're going to find any wine up in my cupboards. Well, y'all need to get saved. I see it. No, yeah, huh? You ain't going to find no tequila, no, no Don Perignon, no Russian absolute vodka. I don't drink rum and coke. I just drink Diet Coke. What y'all say? I'm saved to the bone. But you come to my house, I'm going to feed you good. You're going to leave there fat and happy. Praise God. You're going to feel a spirit of food or coma when you leave my house. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to be silly. We might play video games. We might play... Amazon games, we might play card games, we might play blank slate, we might do something fun, we're going to have fun. Pastor, we're not coming over, I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I promise you this, I'm a good host. You're going to feel valuable in my midst and in my home. And could it be we are building such a church in America that we're so seeker friendly that we're building God's house to become people's house? Where we are striving, so well, don't shout that way. People will be uncomfortable, but God won't be. Well, God's not deaf. Well, he ain't nervous either. This makes me uncomfortable. It's because you've never been in it. God's in it. 
So we must praise based off of his definition, not ours. Well, what's his definition? I'm going to give you seven quick Hebrew words, and then we're going to believe God to do some great things in this room because I believe there's some people going to be changed this morning. Amen? Number one, the first Hebrew word we see in Scripture is the, is the word Barak. Everybody say Barak. We're not talking about President Obama. We're talking about Barak. It's a Hebrew word. And this word Barak means to kneel before. It's an outward expression of an internal conviction, of an inward kneel in the heart expressed outwardly. It's to salute a Lord and to say to that Lord, I surrender. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, Come, let us kneel Barak in worship before the Lord our maker. This is not a suggestion. This is written as a come and do it. Come and let us kneel and worship. This this literally says to the Lord, you are my king and this is how I feel internally. I do this in my own personal prayer time all the time. I start off by saying, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means worthy. I start off in worship. Lord, you're so good. This is my internal position. I take the posture of one who kneels before the king of a kingdom to tell you you are my Lord. You are my master. What you tell me to do, I will do where you tell me to go I will go what you tell me to take out of my life is going to get ripped away I follow but one Lord and I'm not it the world is not it but you're it see this is the posture of a praiser you got to get low some people in church are too prideful they can't sweat in church they they can't they can't let their tie get wrinkled in church but honey I'm here to tell you I love but one I love y'all but I worship one I love y'all but I follow one this is my heart posture to say Lord I follow you I'm surrendered to you, not culture. I'm surrendered to you, not Fox or CNN. I'm surrendered to you, not the liberal left or the evangelical right. I'm surrendered to you. I don't care what they say, what the world says. Your word is right. The world is wrong. And I'm surrendering to your lordship. Kneeling is the posture of a praiser. See, my demonstration of praise has to match his definition of praise or it's not praise at all. Number two, everybody say toda. Toda means to lift up your hands in adoration. Can we all do that today? Let's just lift up our hands in adoration. It communicates, I give up. A police officer will say, freeze, lift your hands. I give up. I surrender. It's Lord, I'm telling you today, I'm giving up control of my life. Somebody say, God's in control. No, he's not. That's, that's bad Instagram theology. That's Pinterest theology. God gave the control to mankind. The reason why a lot of your lives are in disarray is because of poor choices that we have made. Can I say amen? God didn't have any control of that. We did. But when we lift our hands, we're saying, God, I want you to know today I, I, I surrender. I surrender the control on this. I surrender the bitterness. Come on in here. God, they hurt me and I give you, I give you them, Lord. I don't want to be bitter. I surrender the control. I don't want to walk in unforgiveness. I surrender the control. They hurt me, but I, I surrender to your way. I give you whatever you want from me, God. If it's the 10% of the tithe, I just want you to know I surrender control. God, if you want me to, if you want me to walk across my front yard and witness to my neighbor, I just want you to know wherever you go, I go. I surrender. I give up control. But then he goes into the word, which means yada. Everybody say yada. 
And it means to express gratitude by throwing up the hands and wringing them forcefully and twisting. Let's all do this together. You say, Pastor, I can't do that. I know we got to get you humble. You you, got to do it anyway. Unless you got a shoulder problem or you didn't wear deodorant, we shouldn't feel uncomfortable in God's house to give him a yada. What does this do? You ever been in an airplane and you see an air traffic controller doing this? It's signaling for the plane to come on. Come on in this way. And when we do this before the Lord, we are singing, God, I've already lifted my hands and surrender. And now I'm expressing gratitude. You can bring that jumbo jet this way. That jumbo jet of blessing. Come on. That jumbo jet of favor. That jumbo jet of victory. I don't know who I'm talking to today. That jumbo jet of healing. That jumbo coming on this way, God. I want everything you got for me. I want your favor, your blessing, your healing, your deliverance, your power, your strength, your victory, your breakthrough. Yada! Give thanks to the Lord. Give yada to the Lord. Second Chronicles 20 and 21. This is a command. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because his love endures forever. Why do we praise with such exuberance? Because we've had a revelation that God loves us. Despite our mess. I know some of you here got a messy story right now currently. It's all right. God love. His love endures. He loves us when we did it. He loves us after we did it. He loves us while we were doing it. And he loves us after it's been covered by the blood of Jesus. His love endures he don't endure like you endure somebody will unfollow you on Facebook and you have a meltdown it ain't that kind of love it's a love that endures it keeps going you can't outuse it you can't get away from it he'll rip a house apart to find you he'll go out to the lost one sheep and leave the 99 just to get a hold of you he'll dig through that strip club he'll dig through that crack house just to find you because his love endures forever Thank you, Jesus. My demonstration should match his definition. So, Pastor, something's on you today. I know it. This is a revival church. True revival is when people are crowning the altars with salvation. Last week, we had 15 people say yes to Jesus. This morning, we had one young lady lift up her hands and say, I'm tired of my life. I want to serve God. That's 16 of the 30 I'm believing for. Bree, he's doing it. We're going to have a revival. We haven't lost nothing. Double for our trouble. What? Number four. Shabbat. Hallelujah. Shabbat. Hallelujah. Barak. Praise the Lord, Yoda. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It means day, but God on me. Shabbat. The word Shabbat. The word Shabbat, it doesn't mean this. You tell people to shout in the American church like, yay. You shout at your wife at home louder than that. But that's none of my business. The word Shabbat in the Hebrew 
Means are in the Greek. I, yeah, in the Hebrew. My bad. In the Hebrew. Shabak. I do know theology. I did pass that class. The word Shabak <laughs> means to shout, but not woo. <laughs> it means to address in a loud tone and an ear. Look it up in the, in the Hebrew. Ear piercing tone. Like your eye watch, decibel thing. I'll be like, me, 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 get out, get out. I don't know why we can go to the Chiefs game and get excited about breaking an, a decibel level that's ear splitting with a bunch of drunk folk that paid $500 to be there. And by the time they leave there, they paid $700 in beer, which is like 50 bucks a bottle, I think. I don't know because I don't drink it. And they will shout. Take their shirts off, paint them, paint their chest red, jump up and down with all their belly jiggling for no reason. Take that same red belly man, bring him in church, and he'll be like, Shabbat. It's weird to shout at church, and it's not weird to paint your belly red and jump up and down with your fat doing this and be drunk and throwing beer all over the place. That's not weird. Hello? Greg told me one day, he said, Pastor, I'm going to do the same thing at church. I'm going to paint my whole body red. I'm just going to show up without my shirt off. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> it's a command of victory. To declare Jesus the winner. Isaiah 12 and verse 6. Psalms 47 and verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Saved ones are shouting ones. We don't care. We give God a praise because he's been good. Hallelujah. Do we got any members of LifeGate Church that don't care about what the devil's got to say? We're going to Shabbat God through every situation as if we want. Shabbat. Shabbat. Come on. Shabbat. Shabbat. Listen, my demonstration much match his definition. Can I get an amen in the morning, in this morning? Number five, give your neighbor a high five for number five. The fifth Hebrew word is the word halal. Halal. Now, this is the, this is the root word of hallelujah. How many of y'all said hallelujah before? Do you know that in Hebraic custom and culture, you could not say hallelujah if you did not practice the halal? The word halal, it means to make a public show. It means to throw a rave party. It means to be completely foolish. Completely foolish. I'm too dignified to praise God because I'm really my own God. I'm not going to look silly in front of all these people. 
Can you please tell your disciples to shut up, Jesus? That Pastor Gallardo, that uh, biracial young man, he's kind of crazy. Can you please tell him to stop screaming and shouting? He's just awfully loud. The people of God are not deaf, Lord. But there's something in me. There's something in me. One of my favorite verses is found in the book of Psalm 47th chapter, and it says, God gets up amid the shouts of his people. And what that simply means is when you start shouting, God goes, they got my attention. They're shouting, but they're going through hell. They're shouting, but they're full of cancer. They're shouting Hosanna, but all hell is breaking loose. They're shouting Hosanna, but they're losing their family. They're losing their money. They're losing their marriage, but they're still praising me. They're still, I'm about to get up and go see where they are. Listen, your praise attracts like a magnet the presence of God. When you declare a victory in the middle of the battle, somebody shout halal. Shout halal. Number six is Zamar. Icky wicked Zamar. And it means to pluck an instrument. To sing a corporate song with plucking of instruments. Written spoken word put to music like a hymn. You see, a hymn is what's already been written. A spiritual song is when you just lift up your hands and you begin to sing unto the Lord. You're good, Jesus. I love you, Lord, because you're amazing and you're awesome. You're so wonderful, God. I thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you that Pastor Hart paid this building off. You're a provider. Thank you that you set me free, Jesus. Lord, I should be blind in my right eye, but you saw fit to touch it. Now I'm healed, Lord. You are wonderful. You are amazing, God. But Zamar is when we take written music and we all sing it together corporately. Yeah. Go ahead and play a little something on that string bass, sir. Jeremiah. Jump in with him, Benjamin. You play the same thing. One, two, three, four. Hit that beat. Get in the pocket. There you go. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Sing. I say God is good all the time. God is good. God is good. I say God is good. I'm God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is good. Zamar. Number seven is the word tequila, not tequila. Tequila. Some of you are still hung up on what I said about alcohol a minute ago. Can you, did you really just say we ain't saved because we drink? I mean, it'll make you act like you ain't saved. Why, why you want it anyway? The Bible said in Proverbs 31 that alcohol is not fitting for kings and queens. That they should abstain from it. I'm not trying to be a turkey. I'm trying to be a king. Why? Because alcohol can mess your life up in two seconds. I've never seen, oh, alcohol, man, it really helps my life. Praise the Lord. This helps me. I want to give praise for alcohol. Praise the hell's my life. Every person I know that has 
went down that dirty road and down that slope, it started off with a glass of wine. So you shouldn't. But you said I'm not saved. Well, you might be saved, but you need to get convicted about it. Amen. Amen. But the word tequila is not the word tequila. It's the word tequila. It's the Hebrew word. And the word means this, to sing loudly and to put a halal. Remember a crazy, foolish praise? To let the music start and put that crazy praise to music. What? Yes. To possess the spirit of halal with a musical song of praise. The Bible tells us as a directive and a command in Psalm chapter number 66 and verse 8. Praise our God, all peoples. Praise Tahila. Let the sound of Tahila be heard. Shut them up, Jesus. Tahila. Mm-hmm. Lord, tell them to be quiet. Nope, tequila. I'm, I'm drinking Tahila right now. He's going out smooth Tahila. What you been drinking, Tahila? You acting crazy. What's wrong with you, Tahila? Did you order some from the bar, Tahila? Tequila, Psalm 149, the Lord. Tequila, the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why don't we sing all them old songs? It's commanded. Sing a new song. His praises in the assembly of his faithful people. Now, here's the problem that you and I face. A lot of people who come to church, you're here today. Your life is in a very dark place. And it's hard for you to give God a praise because you feel like you haven't seen him do anything yet. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God sent me this morning to tell you, single mama, to tell you, divorcee, to tell you whose marriage is like this right now, to tell you you who are suffering anxiety, to tell you you who are suffering depression, to tell you who are, feel like an addiction that's taken over your life that you can't get free of, to tell you who are at the end of the road, to tell you who are hanging on by a thread at the end of your rope that God loves the mess out of you. Say, Pastor, I got to clean my life up because I want to get to Jesus. Uh-uh. Jesus doesn't come looking for people that God had cleaned up. He said, I did not come to call the righteous and the well. I came as a doctor to look for those who are spiritually and physically sin sick. As a matter of fact, your Bible said that Jesus came to seek and save, not church people on Sunday morning. He came to seek and save the lost. He said, it looks this way. It would be like a woman who had a very valuable gold coin. And she let that coin run off of her table down through the crevice of her hardwood floor. And it fell down into the concrete below. He said, I come this way like the woman. I would go to the Home Depot store, buy me a jackhammer, buy me a crowbar, break that house all to pieces just to get down low enough to find that one soul who's in captivity, who's in bondage to the enemy me because I love them. It's not the harshness and the judgment of God that leads a sinner to repentance. It is the goodness of God, Romans, that calls us to change. 
He said, I would leave Sunday morning's crowd to go for that one sheep that was lost. And I am here to tell you, young person today, I am here to tell you, middle-aged man today, I am here to tell you, greatest gray hair man today, that God loves you regardless of you. Yes, you're addicted. Yes, you're a mess. Yes, you're broken. Yes, you have a story. But God's going to flip it and turn it for his glory. Pontius Pilate was brought Jesus at his arraignment. And he looked at the crowd and said, what do you want me to do with this Jesus Christ of Nazareth? And that's God's cry today. What are you going to do with this Jesus Christ of Nazareth? He loves you in a way man can't define it. Webster tried, but he can't. Our minds can't perceive how good he is. We learn an itty-bitty part of his goodness on this earth. And some of you feel like God is a deadbeat dad. Some of you feel like God is going to do the same thing to you past figures have done to you. They're going to molest me. They're going to rape me. They're going to betray me. They're going to walk out on me. If that's what authority does, God must be doing the same thing. Honey, I got news for you. God ain't He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to walk out on you. He's never going to leave you, he said. He's never going to forsake you, he said, for he will be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. What are you going to get by gaining the world and forfeiting your soul? For narrow is the way that leads to heaven, and few there be that find it. Small is the gate that gets you into the kingdom, and few there be that go that way. But wide is the road to destruction. Big is the gate that leads to this place called hell, and many there go that find it. I am here to tell you today, don't go to hell for nobody. Don't serve the devil for nobody. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. And God sent his very best gift to save you from a place called hell. But if you want to know him, what you got to do, you got to abandon all. It may cost you friends. So do I don't have to give it to following Jesus? Nothing. No, you got to give everything. Your sex life. What culture has lied to you about your, your sexuality. That's culture, not king. That's not God's word. The, listen, the devil is the author of confusion. We have so many young people confused about their identity. If they would just fall in love with Jesus, the author of their identity, they wouldn't be confused anymore. we got to lay down our life and follow the Lord. Lay down our past. See, some of you won't come to Christ because your past is such a mess. And you think you got to clean it up. Like, 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 you ever seen a fisherman clean a fish before he catch it? No. We don't care that you're slimy. Fish are slimy. I love catfishing. It's fun, but they are nasty. That's how we all were before we came to Jesus. Come on in here. We was full of dirt, full of filth. Not me, pastor. I was a good kid. I went to church in my library. You are a filthy, rotten sinner in need of salvation. Everybody. The Bible said that all of humanity was born into sin. Somebody told me one day, Pastor, I think I was born gay. I said, that's right, you was born that way. You need to get born again. Except a man 
be born again, whether they're gay, whether they're perverted, whether they're an alcoholic, whether they're promiscuous, come on, whether they're liars, whether they're cheaters, whether they're gossipers, except the man be born again. He can't even see heaven. If you haven't noticed, I'm coming for 29 souls. They're about to get saved this week. We, we have people repeat prayers after us to coach and guide them on praying. But you're not saved until you repent and follow. The word repent is that you lay down your old life of iniquity and you turn from it and you walk toward Jesus. Pastor, yes, we'll be perfect. Then, oh, my dear friend, that's not true. You're going to make a mess of things again. You're going to make a mess of things again. You're going to make a mess of things again over and over like a broken record. All the older saints said, amen, that's right. But the good news is that you can always come to the cross and find yourself at the broken, bleeding, bruised, barren body of the Prince of God. See him, hand, see him hanging there in between time and eternity. Watch him hanging there as blood pours down his body into coagulated pools at the base of the cross. Watch him there as he cries, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, my God, my God. God, why have you forsaken me? Watch him be forsook so you could be accepted. Watch the Father turn his face on Jesus so he could turn his face to you. Watch him there. As his flesh hung like bloody, bloody ribbons, as the ringing of the hammer was heard, as nails begin to part sinew and flesh, his nerves were twitching in horror, and the of God screamed with a loud voice it is finished he hung his head and he gave up the ghost to pay for your sin pastor I'm not good enough that made us good enough that made us holy that made us accepted. Notice the beam. There's one that goes top to bottom. One reaches down into the pit of hell and elevates people straight into heaven. But at the nexus, there's another beam that stretches as far as the left is from the right. To open up the Prince of God's arms. To welcome every sinner. His message to you today is not become more holy. His message today is come to me. All you are a mess. And I'm about to clean you up. His blood is enough. So why do you pray so hard, Pastor? I get it. I know what he did for me. Dirty me, come on. Wretched me, come on. Say, Pastor, they would have known my story. They couldn't sit by me. Welcome to the club of those who are messed up with a testimony. Everyone stand to your feet. Oh, there's such a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit here. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do today. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do today. There's so many here, Father, that they're hopeless without you. They're at the end of the rope, contemplating suicide, contemplating picking up that heroin needle just for an emotional fix, contemplating going tonight to high V to get them some vodka to drink their pain away. 
God, I pray today you get a hold of their heart, Holy Spirit. They can see that you love them regardless. Regardless, Jesus. You're such a good God. We thank you today in this somber moment for the cross. We thank you for paying the price that you humbled yourself for us so that we could be saved.